Um, guys, usually what we do is we are series teaching around here, and so we do different series throughout the year, and, uh, but every once in a while we have what we call kind of an off-topic, and so it's kind of one of those uh, Sundays or two Sundays that you can just kind of say, okay, God, hey, what are you speaking? What do you have uh, laid on my heart to speak? And so for the next two Sundays, that's kind of what it is, kind of an off-topic, and so today I want to talk to you about how to have the best Christmas Ever. Come on, somebody. Turn to somebody and say, best. Best. How many of you guys want to know how to have the best Christmas ever? Anybody in the house today? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 18 in just a moment. And I wanted to take a few minutes today to talk about the life of Joseph. Come on, how many of you remember Joseph? Mary and Joseph. You know, we hear so much about Mary. We hear so much about the wise men and the shepherds and all of that good stuff. But one of the things we don't hear a lot about is Joseph. And so I want to just take a little time to talk a little bit and kind of work through his life for a few minutes today. But before that... I ran across an interesting story this past week that, uh, that I thought you would find interesting as well. It said, a man called his son in Chicago the day before Christmas Eve and told his son, Son, I hate to ruin your day, but your mother and I, it's over. We're done. We're divorcing. After 45 years of misery, enough is enough. Dad, the son screamed, what are you talking about? He said, well, son, listen, we can't stand the sight of each other any longer, and I'm tired of talking about this, so you call your sister and let her know what's going on. It's over. Hangs the phone up. The brother immediately, frantically calls the sister and tells the sister what's going on. The sister who is in Phoenix begins to scream and shout and says, no way, I will handle this, don't worry. So the sister calls the dad up and says, hey, listen to me. You're not getting a divorce. You and mom have been together way too long. Don't you do a single thing. I'm going to call my brother up and we will be there first thing tomorrow morning. Don't you do a thing until we get there. She hangs up the phone. The dad immediately turns and looks at the mom and says, guess what, babe? Good news. The kids are coming home for Christmas this year and they're paying their own way. Come on, somebody. All the parents in the house said amen. amen. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Are you there yet? This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look. The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Come on, how many of you are thankful today that God is with us today? Not only is He just in us, but He's with us. He's around us. No matter what we go through in life, God is with us. 
It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Come on, can I get a good amen for the reading of God's word today? You know, I want to talk a little bit about Joseph, and I just want to kind of unpack his life today. You know, out of all of the men in the entire world, history of humanity, there was something about Joseph that Jesus saw in him, that God saw in him, rather, that would choose him to be the earthly father of Jesus. I mean, think about Joseph. His life barely fills up a chapter in the Bible. There's only a few short verses dedicated to Joseph, and, let's, and yet his life impacts Christmas story, the Christmas story and all of mankind in such a significant way. So what was it about Joseph? What was it that God saw in Joseph that would make him trustworthy? I mean, think about it. Joseph helped potty train Jesus. He played ball with Jesus. He took him fishing. He taught him carpentry. And yet, when we read the Christmas story, there is not a single word recorded that Joseph ever spoke. Think about that. The Christmas story with Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the angels in the manger and and all of this. And the Bible never records Joseph speaking a single word. Never had any famous sayings. Never had any famous quotes. Wasn't on social media with thousands of followers. And yet he lived an amazing life. So what was it about his life that so impacted the world? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much For the privilege of being here today, we thank you for the opportunity to stand here and and really just open up your word and have you to speak something great in our hearts. Lord, we love you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like your family was crazy? Come on. You ever felt like your family was crazy and you thought your family was crazy until you got around some other families and then you realized your family was pretty normal? Come on, has anybody ever been there? I heard this the other day. Family reunions are the times when you come face to face with your family tree and realize that some branches need to be pruned. Come on. What a strange way to save the world. I mean, think about this. We, we hear this story all of the time, but I think so many times we miss some of the details. We, we miss the significance because this isn't just a story. It's not just a fable, but this is something that actually happened. Mary and Joseph, and, and the Bible says they were engaged. Do we have anybody engaged in the house today? Raise your hand. Anybody engaged? How many of you guys are single today? Oh, I saw a hand up. I saw anybody single. Come on, raise them high. Raise them high. Look around, you know, hope and scope. You never can tell. You know, there's something about being in love. You know, sometimes you can see people, and especially when they're just getting engaged and they're falling in love with one another, there's almost like there's this snap, crackle, pop moment. You know, that's the, when they get together, and, and it's almost like we're in love, in love, and we don't care who knows. You know, it's kind of that thing. But when you think about Mary and Joseph, I don't know that they had that. Because the Bible says that they were arranged to be married, which basically means we don't really know that Mary knew Joseph that well and Joseph knew Mary that well. We don't really know that. It was an arranged marriage. But one of the things we do know is that there was a conversation that they had that was a game changer. Picture this in your mind. Joseph is sitting down and he's meeting with Mary. And, and I don't know, maybe they're at Starbucks and they're drinking a coffee. And, and Mary's got some news for Joseph. 
And they're sitting down and they're talking. And she says, Joseph, uh, I just need to tell you something. Uh, I'm pregnant and we both know you're not the father. And I mean, think about that. You know, we, we, we listen to this nice stained glass Christmas story and we've all warmed up to it. But let me tell you something. That was real life there. That morning or that afternoon, that conversation had to be a game changer. I mean, here's Joseph. And he was like, wait a minute. I thought we, we saved ourselves for each other. I loved you. You loved me. I thought we were saving ourselves. And then all of a sudden she says, well, yeah, I'm pregnant, but... It's with the Holy Ghost. And I can imagine Joseph saying, the Holy who? You know, the Holy Ghost. And, and so there's something inside of me that has been planted by heaven itself. How many of you know that was a difficult conversation to have? That was real life. Can you imagine the confusion and, and the stress and the pressure that all of that would have created? Let me ask you something. Have you ever been confused before? Have you ever been confused have you ever had uh, something that happened in your life? You received news that just shocked you and turned your world upside down and you didn't even know what to do with it. You, you just were confused. You were angry. You were upset. You didn't know what was going on. And this is what was happening with Joseph. Life didn't go as he planned. And for some of you in here, life has not gone the way you thought it would go. You had your plans, you had things you wanted to see happen, you, you charted a course, you were going in a direction, and all of a sudden, life threw you a curve. Something happened, something, you received information, you received news, and all of this is taking place. You know, I read this the other day, somebody said, life is what happens to you when you had something else planned. Life is what happens to you when you had something else planned. So what do you do when life throws you a curve? What do you do? Think about Joseph. He is here thinking about, man, we're supposed to get married. We're supposed to have the, the house with the fence and have some kids and all of this. And it's going to be great. But now this is happening. But I love the integrity of Joe because the Bible says that he didn't want to publicly disgrace her. So he was going to break off the engagement quietly. He didn't want to shame her. There was something inside of him that still wanted to do what was right, even though he had been treated so wrong. And the Bible says that Joseph goes home that night and he's, and he's laying there. Can you imagine what was running through his mind that night? Let me ask you something. You ever had a sleepless night? You ever had those nights where you're laying there and all of this stuff is going through your mind and all of this stuff is happening and you don't know what to do with it? And so here is Joseph. And in the middle of that night, somewhere, the Bible says he laid his head on the pillow and he fell asleep and God showed up in a dream. God showed up in a dream. Hear me today. Even in your worst nightmare and your biggest mess, your ball of confusion, the Spirit of God can show up in your life. See, Joseph went to bed with information, but he woke up with revelation. And see, as people of faith, we don't just live by information, we live by revelation. And some of you in here today, you have received some information and it's not making sense to you. You can't connect the dots. We're, we're in Christmas and it's supposed to be the most joyous time of the year. But let's just be honest, for some people, it's not the most joyous time of the year because life has thrown you a curve. Life is not going the way you thought it would go. You had your plans. You had everything. It's, it's hard for you to connect the dots because the picture is not showing up the way you wanted it to. You've got information but what you really need is revelation 
And the Spirit of God showed up in the middle of that night. And the angel of the Lord said to him, do not be afraid. And I don't know, but I feel like maybe that that's something that some of you may need to hear this morning. Do not be afraid. What is it that you're battling with? What is it that you're going through? What is the confusion and all of that that's happening in your life? God says, do not be afraid. God wants to give you some revelation about the situation that you're losing sleep over today. And the angel of the Lord says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been planted inside of her is planted by heaven itself. And so that revelation brought some news. It brought a change into Joseph's life. And so now he wakes up and listen, all he's got is the dream. That's all he's got to go on. All he has is a dream. And so what do you do with that dream? How does Joseph experience God's best with what he's got, with what's been given to him? How do you and I experience God's best during this Christmas season? And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write some things down. I want to talk about best, B-E-S-T. So how do we experience God's best? Number one, believe the impossible. Believe the impossible. You know, it's amazing that Jesus was introduced to the world through an impossible set of circumstances. See, possible is a realm that all of us like to dwell in. We like to operate in. But the impossible, that's God's domain. But we love what's possible because if it's possible, we can manage it. We can handle it. We can take credit for it. We, we, we have it. Everything is good. But when you step into the impossible, do you understand that is the doorway to the divine? Stepping in an impossible situation. When you're living in an impossible situation, it forces you to trust in God. It forces you to totally rely on Him so that when something good comes out of it, you can't take credit for it, but God gets all the credit. Believe the impossible. Joseph was thrust into an impossible situation and it forced him to trust God. Have you ever been in a situation where you were totally trusting in God? You were in a situation that was totally beyond your control and you're sitting there saying, God, if you don't show up right now, we're going to fall and we're going to fail and it's not going to work. Listen, every great man and woman in the Bible, if you read the chronicles of their life, every single one of them were in an impossible situation. They were forced to trust God. They had to believe in the midst of an impossibility. I love what Psalm says in Psalms chapter 32 verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Has God ever challenged you to do something that you didn't quite understand? Has God ever called you to step out and try something or do something and you didn't have all of the information about it? You didn't have the revelation. You just were like, I don't know. This is too big. I don't understand it. Has God ever done that to you? Has He ever challenged you like that? Based off the information you had. And it didn't make sense to you. But then all of a sudden you got revelation. And God says, hey, I'm with you. And this is what happened to Joseph. He was there and the angel come and says, do not be afraid. Now listen, why would the angel say that? Why would that be the first thing that that angel would say? Do not be afraid. The reason for that is because the number one enemy of our faith is fear. Fear. 
Fear will handcuff you. Fear will paralyze the work of God in your life. And so Joseph is here and he has a decision to make. He's got information. He's got revelation. And now the decision is his. You understand it still all hinges on faith. Believing in God even when you don't have all the information. Saying yes to the plan of God even when things don't make sense. And this is where Joseph was. And it would change his life forever. But guess what? It would also change ours. So Joseph says, God, hey, if you want this for me, then I'm in on it. I'm willing. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. What is God challenging you with at this season in your life? Is God challenging you with something big to step out? Maybe He's calling you to step out, start a business. Maybe He's calling you to step out and start serving more, start giving more, start taking the opportunity to tell more people about the love and grace and mercy of Christ. What is God challenging you with? And will your heart say yes to it even though you don't fully understand? You've got to believe the impossible. But then there's the E in this, and that is you've got to endure what is painful. Let me ask you a question. What do you do with a dream like that? What do you do with a dream like that? Once Joseph wakes up and he says, Okay, God, hey, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Who do you tell? I mean, he can't go tell his parents. He can't go tell his friends. I mean, how do you explain that to people in your life? Yeah, my, the, the lady I'm called to be married to, she's pregnant, but it's by the Holy Spirit. I mean, who do you tell that kind of stuff to? Can you imagine the whispers and the stares and the rumors and the gossip whenever the word gets out? Hey, you're engaged to this woman. She's pregnant and it's not your baby. People just don't understand. See, I've discovered that people love to talk about the misfortunes of others. If it leads, if it bleeds, it leads. And we see this all of the time in news and in social media. If it bleeds, it leads. And so people love to talk about the pain and the hurt and the misfortune of other people. And for some of you in the room today, you're in this Christmas season. And for some of you, your pain is highlighted. You're going through a tough time. But hear me today. God is able to heal you everywhere you hurt And I believe that. And so some of you are here and you're like, well, Pastor, I don't know. I've been praying and believing a long time and I haven't received my healing. I haven't received what I'm looking for God for. But listen, God can give you the grace to endure. And this is what Joseph had to know. I mean, think about it. This is not a job everybody's signing up for. This may even be where the phrase, who's your daddy came from? I don't know. But here's Joseph and he's here and all of this. Imagine the pressure. Imagine the stress. Imagine the anxiety that all of this stuff was bringing. The weight of the world and the pressure of the world was on his life. And some of you can identify with that. You can identify with the pressure and the stress and the strain. And I'm a single mom and I'm I'm trying to make a decision. Is it going to be Christmas presents? Is it going to be paying the bills? Hey, we're a family. We're together. We're doing the best we can. We've, we've run up on hard times. Hey, there's an empty seat at the table this year. Life just didn't go the way I planned it. Can you endure the painful moments of life? Everybody's got an opinion. Have you ever noticed that? If you do something that's kind of out of the ordinary, if you step out in faith, if you go somewhere and you try something, you do something, everybody has an opinion. 
I mean, think about it. Imagine Joseph on social media today. If he was on social media, hey, we're having a baby. It's not mine. He's the son of God. Trust me, an angel told me, hashtag it's a boy. I mean, can you imagine that? Joseph says yes, he believes the impossible, but just because you say yes to God doesn't mean that all of the doors are going to fly open and everything's going to be smooth sailing in your life. You're going to run up against hard times and stressful times and painful times. I mean, think about it. Mary and Joseph having to walk up to 90 miles from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem, up to 90 miles. She is nine months pregnant, ladies. On the back of a mule. Come on somebody. And they're in some of the most harshest conditions you can imagine. We, we see the, the shows and it's like the sun is out and it's wonderful. And she's just kind of riding on the mule. And Joe, Listen, it was cold. It was rainy and stormy. This was not the most prime conditions to go there. They've got to go home. Because Caesar Augustus is calling for a census. And think about this. Home is the last place you want to go. It's the last place you want to be. Everybody's going to talk about how crazy you are for taking this woman and what's wrong with you. And then they go from one end to the next and all of the doors begin to close. And so there's nowhere to go except a a dirty stable with a bunch of farm animals. Jesus born in a manger. You realize a manger is a feeding trough. Just a few minutes before, animals probably have their face in that. And that's where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was born. You understand it's not a woman's hospital. But it didn't end there because then they had to flee to Egypt. And because King Herod wanted to cure their baby, Joseph and Mary faced so much opposition in their lives. Saying yes to Jesus will oftentimes put you in opposition to others. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't necessarily put you in the flow. It puts you against the flow. Things happening in your life. But hear me today. If you've had yes to if you have said yes to Jesus, He will always give you the grace to endure what is painful. That pain, that hurt, that heartache, Jesus will always give you the grace to endure. And so here's Joseph, and God has given him the grace to endure. Why? Because he realized something that my life is borrowed. My life is not my own. Can I tell you something? Powerful living is understanding that I am being borrowed by God. That's powerful living. There's purpose. There's a plan. There's a destiny. There's a greater than me calling moment in my life. And so again, sometimes we make plans in our life and it involves this this small circle. But God's circle is so much bigger. But there's going to be some pain with the dreams that you have. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, struggle will always be part of the dream. Struggle will always be part of the dream. You have the dream. You go after it. You said yes to Jesus and we expect everything to just be smooth, but struggle is always part of the dream. And some of you have got a dream and you're going after it and and you're struggling right now. But listen, if you will believe, if you will endure and know that God's plans are so much bigger than yours, it's not about me. Joseph had to understand, this is not about me. There's something greater at work here than just me. Come on, you've got to believe the impossible. You've got to endure what is painful. But then there's the S. You've got to be willing to see the potential. 
see the potential. And as you study the, the life of Mary and Joseph and the significance of their life, you know, scholars believe that Mary was anywhere from 14 to 17 years old. I mean, think about that, a teenager. Some scholars believe that Joseph was in that age range. Some believe Joseph was actually older, maybe in his younger 30s. We don't really know. But even at that, I mean, think about it. Here is Mary. How many of you got teenagers at home? Come on, anybody got any teenagers? Can you imagine your teenager being in this position? I've got two teenagers at my house, and they can't hardly clean up after themselves, and they leave the underwear laying everywhere, they leave the food everywhere. Come on, and yet God uses teenagers, and all the teenagers said, exactly. <laughs> God uses teenagers. He uses teenagers. I thought about Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. And, and what that means is that he could look at a piece of wood or lumber or timber and not just see it for what it was, but see it through the eyes of potential. So he would look at a piece of wood and say, you know what, that could be a table, that could be a chair, that could be a dresser, that could be a countertop. He didn't just see it for what it was, he saw it for what it could be. And if you think about it, that really is the story of Christmas. That God would look down from heaven and not just see us for our problems, not just see us for our mishaps and our mishaps, not just see us for our sin, but see the potential that is inside of us. That is the story of Christmas. And aren't you glad that the goodness of God looks past all of our faults and all of our failures and all of the exterior and He sees something golden inside of us? We've got to be willing to look past the hurts and the problems and the struggles and, and see the potential. See the potential in people. See the potential in yourselves. And so here's Joseph and he sees the potential. So he believes the impossible. He endures what's painful. He sees the potential. But then here's the T. You've got to trust to the end. You've got to trust to the end. You know, I was thinking about this this week and, and, and a lot of scholars believe that Joseph actually died when Jesus was in his early 20s. I mean, think about that. The, the, the earthly father of Jesus, they say, died when Jesus was in his early 20s. I mean, think about it. You, you, you read about him at the birth, and, and, and then there's kind of a long period there, and then you read about him again, you know, that epic fail moment when Mary and Joseph, they leave Jesus for three days. Have you ever left your child somewhere? Just saying. But anyway, they leave Jesus for three days. And so you read about him there. But then you don't hear anything else about him for the rest of the time. So if Joseph died when Jesus was in his early 20s, let me ask you something. How old was Jesus when he started his ministry? He was 30 years old in his 30s. So Joseph dies. Jesus is in his early 20s. Doesn't start the ministry until... 30s, which means Joseph never heard his son preach a single message. He never saw a single miracle. He never saw Jesus raise people from the dead and heal blinded eyes and cure the deaf. He, he never saw that. Wonder how he felt. Think about this just for a moment. I mean, wonder, think this with me. That night, that beautiful night where the angels came and, and the shepherds came and, and all of the promises, he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, and, and all of that, and yet Joseph never saw physically any of that come to pass. 
Wonder if he felt kind of a little doubt in his heart. Wonder if he felt a little failure in his mind by not seeing that. Here's what I believe. You know, they said that uh, Walt Disney never saw Disney World come to pass. The day that Walt Disney opened up, the, the president was there and all the officials were there and, and Walt's wife was there at the, at the grand opening ceremony and the president of Walt Disney at that time stood up and he said, you know, he said, Walt never saw all of this happen and, and he called Walt's wife up to the stage and she gets up to the stage and the only thing she says was, sir, Walt did see it happen. That's why you're standing in it right now. See, I believe with all of my heart that in those moments that even though Joseph didn't physically see it, that there was something going on in his heart where God was speaking into him to where he didn't have to physically see it because he knew it. Because he was trusting in God. Trusting till the end. Maybe you're in here today. And I don't know where you are. I don't know the situations of your life. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know if life has thrown you a curve. I do know that when I started talking about that, I got a lot of amens and head shakes. So maybe you're in here and life has beat you up. Life has thrown you something that you didn't expect. I'll even throw a long one on you. Maybe you're in here and maybe you feel like your life is a failure. Maybe you feel like things just didn't go the way you planned it and you don't feel like you're making a difference and you don't feel like things are going your way and I just can't make sense of all of this and I don't understand all of this and I don't even know if my life's worth living. I want to give you a word for somebody today. You matter more than you think you do. You matter more than you think you do. And you are doing better than you think you are. Man, I feel that in my heart. Maybe that's not for everybody, but I believe that's for somebody. You matter more than you think you do. And you're doing better than you think you are. We are our biggest critic. We beat up on ourselves all the time. We make a mistake or we fail or we turn right when we should have turned left whatever the case and and so then we start to just it's, it's almost like quicksand I mean if you know what I'm talking about it just it's just wave after wave and you just feel like you're sinking and you feel like your life doesn't matter but listen to me one more time you matter more than you think you do well it doesn't matter if I'm here or not no that's that's not true I called a lady just this past week. I hadn't seen her in a while. And I said, hey, I, man, I've been missing you. She said, well, I hear you doing pretty good. I said, that's not the point. I'm missing you. I'm not seeing you You're in your place where you, where you usually are. And I just wanted to let you know that you matter here. Every single person in this place matters. Turn to somebody beside you and say, you matter. You matter. You matter. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been doing. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I've come from. You matter to God. And hey, you're doing better than you think you are. Well, I'm not accomplishing this. I'm not doing it. Listen, you are doing better than you think you are. Single mom, hear me. 
You're doing better than you think you are. You're okay. You're doing a good job. It's going to be all right. I know it's Christmas and all of this, and we get so caught up in the commercials, and I got to get this, and I got to get that, and I got to this. Listen, your love means more than anything. My kids, I'm going to be honest with you, even though they're about half grown, they still play with the box more than they do what's in the box. Go figure. It's just the way it is. And half the time, they rip it open, they look, they throw it to the side. They rip it open, they look, they throw it to the side. They rip it open, they look, they throw it to the side. That's just the way it is. You start buying them some underwear, they'll start appreciating life. You matter to God. And you're doing okay. You're doing all right. God hadn't forgotten you. He's still with you. He says, hey, I want you to experience the best year you've ever experienced. You're going into 2020. I want you to experience the best. How do I do that? I've got to believe the impossible. I've got to endure what is painful. I've got to see the potential and I've got to be willing to trust till the end. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if the dots aren't really connecting and I just don't know and it just looks like a ball of confusion, I've got to be willing to trust till the end and know that God is still working in all things for my good and for His glory. Stand with me all over the house.